You're listening to the Metro LA Podcast, an official podcast of the LA International Church of Christ. Good morning, everybody. Robert Carrillo here, and welcome to church. Uh, welcome to the Los Angeles International Church of Christ, the metro, the mighty metro region. Great to have you uh, with us in this uh, Bible study that we're doing. We are on the second of a three-week series on rest and Sabbath. And last week, we talked about the light and easy yoke. Uh, this week, we're talking about Sabbath, keeping the Sabbath, part one. And, um, you know, which is the fourth commandment, as you all know. And that's kind of where we're going to start. We're going to start our study with that, uh, the fourth commandment, because it is a commandment, one of the Ten Commandments, of course, right? And um, you might be saying, well, why, why are we studying this? You know, why? I mean, what does this got to do with us as Christians? It actually has a lot to do with us as Christian, as Christians. Like many things in the Old Testament, just because we're not under the law of it, doesn't mean it's still it's not still has a lot of good teaching or principles that we should learn from. And I'll, I'll get into that more in detail. But let's go ahead and jump to the fourth commandment, Exodus 20, verse 8. And here's the commandment. This is, uh, you know, we're on number four. We're not reading all ten, but we're going to jump right to number four. And it says, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord, your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your town. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy." Okay, so this is one of the Ten Commandments. And really, I mean, if you think about it, it's a pretty amazing commandment. You know, most of the commandments make perfect sense, right? You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or your neighbor's possessions or your neighbor's things. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not lie. You, shall, you know, all those make sense, right? Rules for a new community. You know, who's going to be the people of God? But this one's interesting to me is, is a commandment to to rest a commandment to take a day off i mean normally you'd think you don't have to i wouldn't i wouldn't think you'd have somebody would have to be commanded to rest and yet we are commanded to rest it is one of the 10 commandments i mean there's 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 a, there's over 600 commandments in the bible uh but this one is one of the 10 the 10 big ones the, the Decalogue, the God's ten rules of the of the holy nation, and it's one of them. So it 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 it's top of the line commandment here to rest. You would think that most people want to rest, right? Most of us would like a day off and and to be able to rest. And yet there are many reasons that we may, maybe don't rest as we should. And and probably one of the questions, one of the common questions especially for Christians, for disciples, is why don't we obey the Ten I mean, why don't we obey the, the Sabbath? Why don't we obey the Ten we, Actually, it's the, only, it's the only one of the commandments that isn't really taught a lot. The others, of course, nobody even thinks twice about not committing adultery, of course not. Not stealing, of course not. Not murdering, of course not. Nobody even wonders about those. This one, people are a little 
confused by sometimes. Well, aren't we supposed to obey it? Don't we have to obey it? In Matthew 5, so the question is, is it a law? Is it a law for us? In Matthew 5, it says, Do not think I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter nor the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. So Jesus came not to abolish the law, but to fulfill it, to 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 take it all the way to completion so that we do what the law teaches to do. So what we, we fulfill it. So for most of the law, the fulfillment of the law is love. And specifically here that we love each other. Jesus was challenging their interpretation of, of the law of the Sabbath constantly. With, he was healing people all the time on the Sabbath. And of course, they were getting mad at him and criticizing him for it. But he was fulfilling the law. He was fulfilling it that eve, of all days on the Sabbath, we especially should love each other and help each other. It is still a day of rest, and, and he talks about that more and more. But So the answer is, are we under the law? No. Do we have to obey it? No. Are we in sin if we don't practice the Sabbath? No, of course not. Are there some churches that practice it? Yeah, the Seventh-day Adventists. That's, that's what they're known for, Seventh-day Adventists. They still follow the law. They still obey the law. Well, if, if, if it's not a law, should we obey it? Well, sometimes yes. You know, I mean, I don't think anybody questions. The law says do not murder. Should we obey that? Yeah, yeah, we should, probably should obey that. Yeah. It doesn't mean that we don't have to obey it. It means that we're not breaking the law if we don't anymore. We are called to live a life that fulfills it, to follow Jesus. He is our law, so to speak. Now, he is our life. And anybody who teaches that you have to obey the law, well, there's a lot of backlash on that because that's an incorrect teaching. It's a false teaching. In Galatians 3, and really you can read all of Galatians, Paul talks about you know people misapplying the law and the mistake of trying to live by the law throughout the whole letter. Just read the whole book of Galatians. But I pulled out one 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 part where he addresses some of this. He says, For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. As it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. So if you're going to say we follow the law, if you're going to teach that the Sabbath is a law and everybody has to do it, then you got to follow all the law. And here's the problem. You're going to be cursed because nobody fulfills all the law. The only person that ever did all the law was Jesus. Everyone else has fallen short of that and, and, and will only be saved by faith and the grace of God. So he says, clearly, no one who relies on the law is justified before God. In other words, nobody's right before God because they follow the law. They're not saved. They're not under God's grace because of following the law. But rather, he says, because the righteous will live by faith. Faith is the key in, in whether or not we're bound by the law. And I say all this, why this has got nothing to do with the Sabbath. Well, it does in the sense that just understanding the Sabbath, that it's not a law. It's not the law. It is a, a principle from the law that we should still pay attention to. 
You know, just like the other day we taught on giving and giving our time and our energy and our money. And I pointed out that tithing is not, we are not bound as Christians by tithing. It's still a principle that we should be generous with God. And the example of the early church was they were more than generous. They did a lot more than tithing. But we're not in sin because we break the law or because we didn't tithe. I think tithe is a good goal for everybody. And there's different ways to tithe. We give what we give to hope is can be part of our tithe. What we give to especially the family, what we give to each other, what we give to our family members, all of that is part of being generous. And of course, God should always be at the top of that list. But but it's not like in the Old Testament, if you didn't tithe, you were in sin. We don't live under the Old Testament. If you didn't practice the Sabbath, you were in sin. We're not living under the, the, the Old Testament law. The righteous today live by faith. Remember the word I've been talking a lot about, emuna, trust in God, which is really at the heart of the Sabbath, of practicing the Sabbath and understanding why is there a Sabbath and why would God talk about the Sabbath so much? And it goes all the way back to creation itself, right? At the very beginning, Genesis chapter 2, it says, uh, two, chapter 2, I think it's verse 2. He says, By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Here's This is like one of the most remarkable scriptures. Why in the world would God need to rest? I mean, God has limitless energy. He's all-powerful. He's all-knowing. He's omnipotent, omniscient. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, just on and on and on. Clearly, the only reason for him to do this, or one of the few reasons, if there's any others, is just to set an example for us. To put something in motion that would be for all of creation, for all of time. That everyone should take time to rest even if you don't need it. God clearly didn't need it. Now, us, on the other hand, we do need it. And it's a very important principle that we get from God right from the beginning. And by the way, this is long before the law was given. Long before the law was ever taught. Long before the Ten Commandments. I mean, literally, thousands of years before, God was resting on the seventh day. And when God instituted, um, excuse me, when God instituted the 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 Hebrews to take a day of rest when they left Egypt, he was trying to teach them to take this day of rest, the day of rest that's been from the design of creation. And that was very challenging for how things were taught and how things were done when the Jews were in Egypt. That was a brand new teaching for them. That was, that was something that challenged their world to take that day of rest, to take time to just rest. And honestly, in today's world, it's also a challenging. I mean, we oftentimes pack our weekends. It's when we get all the housework done. It's when we get all our, our, our to-do list done. It's when we take our kids to, you know, five different sports things and take the dog to the vet. And we just, we pack our weekends a lot. 
And sometimes we pack them even with good things, but they're still packed with church things and other good things that we do. And, and, and we can get really packed. And God, again, has laid out the principle that we are and we need to rest. It was a direct challenge to the world that the Hebrews were living to when he gave them this teaching, when they left Egypt. Because in Egypt, there was no day of rest. In Egypt, there was two groups of people, the haves and the have-nots. And your value as a human being was tied to those two groups. The haves, the elite, the wealthy, how much wealth do you possess? How much can you amass? This was Pharaoh's world, right? Building big pyramids, building great cities, covering things with gold. It's how much could he amass? This is nothing has changed still today. Wealthy people amass gold. They amass buildings. They amass wealth. That their life is very much tied into what they have. That's the way the haves live. The have-nots, their value, the the value of a slave, the value of the poor is what can you produce? How hard do you work? What do you produce? What do you bring to the table? That's your value. You have no skills. You can't work hard. You got no value. And that was the, the, that was the life of a slave in Egypt. That they were very much tied to what they could produce. So work was incredibly important. In fact, when, when Pharaoh gets mad, is, 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 it says, in, in Exodus 5, 5 says, Then Pharaoh said, Look, the people of the land are now numerous. You are stopping them from working. This was his complaint to Moses. Because Moses wanted to take them out to worship the Lord, right? And he says, you're not going to stop them from working, right? Because that's all they were, that's their only value to Pharaoh, was how much work they produce and how hard can they work. And it's a sad thing when that's your value. But that was their value. That's how Pharaoh saw it. That's the pharaonic system of human value. Is you're only as good as what you produce, right? And and that's still very real today. It's a very oppressive, dehumanizing system. Your value is not that you're made in the image of God. Your value is how much you work or how much you own, how much wealth you've amassed. And in a lot of ways, our world is still running on on that. What do you produce and how much do you have? And that's sadly, we we judge each other that way. We judge each other by what do you do? What What's your career? What's your profession? What do you produce in this world? Or what do you have in this world? And human value tends to be very tied to that. What kind of car do you drive? What brands do you wear? How much work do you do? How much can you produce? What do you do in this world? You know, do you have Prada? Do you have Coach? Do you have, or do you have a Kmart brand? Do you have Gucci? And, and, and I'm not, just to be clear, I'm not saying those things are bad or evil or wrong. I'm not, I'm not anti-material, but I am anti-materialistic because materialism at its core gives people, assigns people value according to what they have. Or according to what they produce. How much wealth have they amassed? How nice is your car? How nice is your house? 
where do you go on vacation? What do you, and, and we all know this, right? We all know this. I'm not teaching you anything new, but I'm, I'm highlighting, I'm spotlighting this. This is Pharaoh's system. This is the pharaonic system of human value is you're only worth what you can produce. And so we feel like we've got to constantly be producing. We've got to constantly be making more money or amassing wealth or buying the right things or, or having the right look or the right labels. And again, not saying those things are in and of themselves wrong, but when our value gets tied to that, and that is what social media totally feeds and engenders, is what is your value? How nice are your things? What can you do? What what do you produce? And, and so we work very hard to make lots of money, to buy the nice things, and basically live the same as the slaves of Egypt. The same slavery. And this is what Jesus came to set us free. But long before that, when God called the Hebrews out of Egypt, it's what he taught them. So it was God versus Pharaoh. Pharaoh versus God. And this is how God teaches it. He says, each morning, everyone gathered. This is right as they left Egypt. And he's already beginning to teach them what it means to be his people. And he says, each morning, everyone gathered as much as they needed. And when the sun grew hot, it melted away. Remember the manna from heaven? God, when they got out to the desert, they were hungry. They were like, God, you let us out here to starve to death. And, and what is God te- doing? He's teaching them to have faith, emuna, to rely on him. So he tells them, okay, when you wake up, there's going to be food that comes down from heaven. That was manna. And he tells them to collect it. But he says, on the sixth day... They gathered twice as much, two omers, for each person. And the leaders of the community came and reported this to Moses. Moses, God had told them, go out and collect double on the sixth day so you can rest on the seventh day. Of course, some people tried to test it and didn't and tried to try to try to make save it even more during the week. And it got rotten, right? But on the sixth day, they were allowed to make double wise so that collect double so that they could rest on the seventh day. And it says, And he says, um, he said to them, this is what the Lord commanded. Tomorrow is to be a day of Sabbath rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. So bake what you want, bake and boil whatever you want to boil, save whatever's left and keep it until morning. So he was teaching them to prepare for the Sabbath, collect double, cook whatever you're going to have to cook. So that you really can rest. So you can have a day of rest. And again, God said, this is totally challenging to how they live their lives. Every day was just hard work. This is the life of a slave. And God was trying to free them. God was trying to give them a day. And it was really challenging the system. I read a book, a really good book called Sabbath as Resistance. That really just talks about how God was challenging their thinking and teaching them to resist this oppression of you only are what you produce. You are only as valuable as the labels that you wear, as the wealth that you've amassed. So really, in a lot of ways, seeing Sabbath as a resistance, it's kind of fighting back to the materialistic world, fighting back to the oppressive 
uh, social pressure of you are only what you wear. You're only as good as your job title. You're only valuable instead of your value coming from God. Your value coming from things, things you own, things you have, and what you can produce. Are you working hard enough? Are you making enough money? Are you accomplishing enough? Have you achieved enough? And all of that, as we know, can be very oppressive and overwhelming. Saying no to the consumer-driven, productivity-driven life. God was setting them free. Free of the slavery of productivity, the slavery of the urgent, the slavery of the perfectionism, the slavery of the fear of failure, slavery of being not enough. And I think that that's, for a lot of us, that's in the back of our minds. I'm not good enough. I'm not spiritual enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not good looking enough. I'm not talented enough. I'm not whatever enough. And we have that nagging thing inside us. And, if, and, and you know, some people might be listening and going, nah, I don't have any of that. Eh, think about it. Pray about it. I, I, you probably have more than you realize. Or, or maybe you're the one being on the planet that doesn't. But most of us have some of those tapes playing in our heads. Some of us are tied up in knots because of those tapes. Now, understand, I'm not saying it's wrong to produce. I'm not saying it's wrong to work hard. I'm not saying it's wrong to get a great education and have a great title. And Those are all good things. But we cannot be slaves to those things. And we cannot let our value come from those things. I mean, I have all people, I'm working on a doctorate. But I'm not working on the doctorate so that I can feel good about myself. I'm working on the doctorate because I just want to know. What, what the things of God at this level, that's all. Our value cannot come from titles. It can't come from things that we own. It really needs to come from God, and then we're set free. Then it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what label I have or what kind of car I drive or how big my house is. I'm happy no matter. This is what Paul talks about, learning to be content in all situations. His value comes from God. Jesus made it very clear. He said, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. You're going to be devoted to one or the other, not both. And if you're devoted to money, you will wake up one day and find yourself once again being a slave. If you're devoted to God, you will wake up one day and find yourself being set free of this oppression. In Matthew eleven twenty eight, we studied it last 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 week. Come to me all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. This is the promise of Jesus. And again, all of this is based on what? Emuna, faith, trusting God. When they had when they when they were getting hungry in the desert, they had to learn to trust God. When they were thirsty, they had to learn to trust God. When they wanted to collect extra manna so that they could have manna to spare in their little backpacks, they, he let it go rotten so they would learn to trust God every day and rely on God every single day. Mark chapter 2, verse 23. It says, One Sabbath Jesus was going through the grain fields, and as his disciples walked along, they began to pick some heads of grain. The Pharisees said to him, Look, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? Right? So the Pharisees were locked in the law. Now the law did pertain to them, but 
even understanding the law without being legalistic. The law was you shall rest on the Sabbath. So is picking grain against the law? Not really, but they had their own interpretations of the law. So they had a very legalistic view of the law. So uh, according to their interpretation, they define picking grain as work and you can't do it. So Jesus responds to them. At the end of his response, he says, he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. His defense, Jesus' explanation. Look, God gave us the Sabbath. It is a gift from God. It's not a law. It's not, it's not, it's not long term, it's not meant to be a law. It was a law. And Jesus fulfilled the law. Today, it's a principle for us to learn from. And I think that, uh, you know, many Christians and many denominations, they don't, they ignore it because, well, that's an Old Testament law, but they fail to understand the principle of it and the value of it, of taking a time to just rest. And what that does for your heart, for your mind, for your soul, for your body, to have a time to rest in the Lord and be strengthened. Incredibly important. It's why, because so few people do this, it's very tied into why so many people get burned out on everything, but even religion, get burned out because they don't know how to rest and they never practice resting in the Lord. And the next class, we'll talk a lot more specifics about what that means. But understand this, this is a gift from God. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So there are some people, I, I talked to one minister in the Seventh-day Adventist, he said, I hated the Sabbath. He said, we, it was just a day that we couldn't do anything. We couldn't play sports, couldn't go shopping, couldn't do all this kind of stuff. And unfortunately, his family had a very legalistic approach. I talked to another Seventh-day Adventist preacher who said, I love the Sabbath. Our family hung out together, we played games, we rested, we watched a movie together, we all had we all had time, we prayed together. It was it was awesome. So how you approach it makes all the difference in the world. Whether you approach it as this legalistic rule or you approach it as a gift from God. That's huge. In Matthew five, Jesus said, Look at the birds of the air. They do not store food for winter, they don't plant gardens. They do not sow or reap, and yet they are always fed because your heavenly Father feeds them. And you are even more precious to him than a beautiful bird. If he looks after them, of course he will look after you. This is his gift to us, to take care of you, to take care of your mind, to take care of your heart, to take care of your spirit, to take care of your body, to take care of your soul. This is God's gift. How we look at the Sabbath makes a huge, huge difference. Understanding the Sabbath in its proper perspective. Is it a law that we have to follow and we're in sin if we don't? No, it's not. I've, I have actually talked to people who left the church because they said, we should be practicing the Sabbath. We're breaking the law. We're in sin. That's a bunch of garbage. We're not under the law. But on the other hand, it's a very, very important principles here. 
that we should be taking advantage of, that we should practice. It is a gift from God. And I know it, 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 it's probably raising all kinds of questions in your mind. Yeah, but how? I mean, when are we supposed to do that? You know, da, 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 da. we'll talk about that in the next class. We'll talk about that in the next, in the, as we finish the study series. But understand the heart of God behind the Sabbath. Because he loves us, because we are precious to him. He set up a system to take care of us and to help us with long-term life. You know that the people who practice Sabbath on average live 10 years longer than people who don't? On average, 10 years longer is added to their life. Which, if you take a 60-year life or 70-year life and you add up all the Sabbath days, that's about how much time you add up. There's So almost a principle of every Sabbath day that you practice resting, you add to your life. Now, again, I know there's probably a whole bunch of questions about, well, what does exactly that mean to practice the Sabbath for a disciple? And that's what we're going to talk about next. But for now, we'll just give a couple of quick definitions and we'll wrap up our study for, for this week's part to just understand what is the Sabbath. The word Sabbath, Sabbat in Hebrew or Sabaton in Greek, it just means to stop, to cease and to rest. Maybe a good modern translation would be chill, to just chill. Not modern like up to date, probably more like 80s or 90s, but still, you get my meaning. To chill, to relax, to to take it easy. I mean, if God himself practiced Sabbath, how much more do we need to practice Sabbath in some form? Maybe not a legalistic Sabbath, but a Sabbath, a time of rest that God initiated. So... It is the promise of Jesus. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. That's what the Sabbath's all about. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is very tied in to long-term discipleship, long-term living in Jesus, making sure that we don't burn out, not in life, and not in faith, and not in spirit, but that we're in it for the long haul, and that we take care of ourselves. Not because that's the goal, because the goal is to advance the kingdom of God. But to even do that, i got to take care of myself. We have to take care of our hearts, and our minds, and our souls. And Sabbath is an incredibly important part of that. Our relationship with God, our relationship with each other, our family, our children, in the church, and in a sense, our relationship with ourselves, our bodies, our minds, our souls, our spirits. So we'll stop there. That's good enough for now, study of Sabbath. And next part's coming next next week, Sabbath 2. So God bless you and buen camino. You've just listened to the Metro LA Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit MetroLARegion.com 